Well, folks, uh, I'm so delighted that so many could uh, uh, show up uh, for this grand celebration. Uh, it's been a long time in coming uh, because uh, in one manner or another, both uh, Terry and John have been retired for a few years. But on the other hand, it's hard to call somebody truly retired when they continue to come around to do some teaching and uh, supervision. Uh, in any event, we thought uh, that this was just the right time to bring us all together and uh, to say a few words about our gratitude for their service to this institution and to the church. And, uh, and then we've got uh, some folks that are going to uh, say a, a few words. Where to begin? Uh, let me say uh, a first a few words about uh, Professor John Bowen, partly because John is uh, of the two of them uh, pitched up here uh, at Wycliffe on the faculty side earlier than, than Terry did. And uh, uh, John, uh, for those of you that don't know him all that well, he's got degrees from uh, Oxford and uh, Trinity College in Bristol and also a D-Min from McMaster. He was a high school teacher before going to uh, Trinity Bristol and uh, then uh, took up with University Christian Fellowship and served with them for 25 years in universities and camp ministry. He was the National Evangelism Consultant and the Director of DARE Outreach before uh, coming to Wycliffe College in 1997 and uh, taking up responsibilities with the Institute of Evangelism. And he continued in that role in the pastoral studies department uh, until 2013 and uh, retired in, in sort of, I, I, it's hard to say retired. He's teaching a class right now, so. Uh, but uh, but uh, retired in 2016. And uh, I think I may have met you first, uh, for the first time in Ottawa in 2004, was that at an Essentials uh, conference? And, and it, uh, and in that brief conversation, uh, I learned that he knew more people in the church than I did. And uh, John is extraordinarily well-connected and continues uh, a wonderful ministry uh, in the greater Hamilton area. Married to Deborah, an English professor at Redeemer University College. Uh, and uh, they have two, two adult children, four grandchildren. Two of them are here with you today. Is that right, John? Yeah, there's one, two. Excellent. And uh, you should know that John says uh, that he's ridiculously proud of you. Um, there is also, I did in my little research, there is another John Bowen from, that hails from Wales, who eventually became the Anglican bishop in Sierra Leone, so, uh, and also spent time in Canada. So, John, the story's not over yet. Um, and uh, Terry, Terry Donaldson, where are you, Terry? There you are. Um, Terry is a, a Timmins boy uh, and uh, married Lois in 1971. He also worked for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Came to Wycliffe College and got his uh, MREL degree when we still offered that in 1977. Went on for his uh, doctorate uh, under uh, the esteemed professor Richard Longenecker. And uh, his doctoral work uh, was in the area of gospel studies on the mountain motif in Matthew's gospel. And uh, he taught for 17 years at the College of Emmanuel in St. Chad in Saskatoon. 
and that's where I first met him in 1995, but he'd already shifted uh, his, his uh, academic focus away from gospel studies into uh, Pauline, the Pauline story. In 1999, he returned to uh, Toronto and uh, took up the post uh, of Lord and Lady Coggan Professor of New Testament here at Wycliffe College. Uh, he's published four books, edited a number of volumes and journal articles and such. And now his research has uh, primarily to do with uh, identity construction in early Gentile Christianity, the question of the parting of the ways, when does uh, Judaism... Uh, was, was Paul a Jew or a Christian, or what's the nature of that identity, particularly uh, in the Christianizing of uh, the Roman Empire? Uh, some of you who uh, have not, uh, who are students who have not had courses with Terry would recognize him from our Eucharist, uh, Wednesday Eucharists, where he uh, plays uh, the banjo uh, in accompaniment of our music. He and Lois are members of St. Aidan's Parish, and they have uh, two adult children, two children-in-law, three grandchildren, and uh, he maintains a rigorous study routine. I remember asking him not long ago what his days were like with retirement, and he said he begins the day studying languages, studying languages, and then, uh, and then carrying on his research, and the result is uh, a new book. Uh, I think we'll be hearing more about all of these, but I just want to say that uh, on behalf of the college, uh, what a privilege it is to have uh, both Terry and John associated with Wycliffe College. Uh, they've been outstanding figures in their uh, various areas and uh, continue to exercise uh, um, their, uh, ex their scholarship and uh, influence in the life of the church. I think the best thing to do in order to sort of uh, hear more about uh, the significance of their work is to call upon people who, uh, who know them. Some of them are students or some of them are colleagues. And I'd like to begin uh, with uh, Brian Walsh. And uh, Brian, would you come up and say something? I think you're going to say something of both of them. Yeah. When John retired, I stole his parking sign. <laughs> the college didn't let me have the spot, but you can have it back. <laughs> Terry and John, it all comes down to campus ministry. In the beginning was campus ministry, or at least in our beginnings. Terry, was it the fall of 1970 or 1971? when you came to Victoria, 1970, when you came to Victoria Park Collegiate. A young inter-school Christian, Christian fellowship staffer came to VP Collegiate to find a relative vibrant band of Christian students led by two friends, two very recent converts to following Jesus. One was a wildly enthusiastic charismatic the other was a John Stott-inspired biblical exegete. Speaking in tongues or painstaking verse-by-verse -verse Bible study, the students had their choice. <laughs> I'll let you guess which one was me. <laughs> Into this fellowship arrived Terry Donaldson, a clearly mature Christian leader. He must have been at least 25 years old. 
And at the end of his visit, one of the leaders, I'll let you guess which one, asked him, how many other schools do you go to? Oh, about a dozen, our ISF staff re replied. Well, suggested the 17-year-old, I think we're okay here. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should give your time to those other kids at the other schools. <laughs> Terry took a look at these two young converts, discerned what the Spirit was doing in that fellowship group, and replied, I think you're right. I'll keep in touch, but you guys take it from here. Terry, at that very early and formative moment in my Christian discipleship, you affirmed my gifts. You ceded power. And with the kind of gentle humility and warming smile that everyone in this room loves about you, you blessed me to a ministry of leadership, indeed a ministry of campus leadership. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful. I have a gift for you. Once, in this space, when it was the Leonard Library, I was, sit Hello. I was sitting at a desk piled with commentaries of John, and I was lost. And I, called, I saw Terry, I called him over, I said, help me. And he sorted through them all. And he said, look at this one and look at that one. And so I give to you St. John Before Breakfast from the Wine Before Breakfast community that you helped to found with your banjo more than 15 years ago. Now to my beloved friend, John. In the beginning was campus ministry. It has always been about campus ministry. It was the fall of 1977 when you and Deborah visited the Christian Reform Campus Ministry worship community in the East Common Room at Hart House. And we became friends immediately. Shared passion for Jesus, shared commitment to campus ministry, shared love of the scriptures, and shared roots in John Stott. You appointed me to be the IVCF staff worker for the University of Toronto Mississauga campus, and on our ride out to meet the student leadership for the first time, you casually mentioned that the week before, someone had been into the fellowship teaching everyone how to speak in tongues, and so I would need to sort that out. <laughs> I had experience with guys speaking in tongues. We sorted it out. And so we worked together at leadership camp and then campus in the woods, raising up a generation of Christian leaders rooted in the depth and breadth of a Christian worldview. In the summer of 1980, I have the file, we co-led a campus in the city group with a focus on work and Christian vocation. That was an incredibly exciting three months, shaping our teaching week by week communally as a staff team. You might remember, and other folks might know the name, Kim Beard was a student in that group. And it was in the midst of that work together in those years that I grew to envy you. No one could give a talk of, of substance to a group of university students with such winsome insight and such inviting eloquence as you. So I confessed that I just wished 
but I could speak like you do. And you admonished me. Never try to speak like me, Brian. You must always speak in your own voice, trusting that this is the voice that God gave you. I don't think that you, now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I don't think that you have any idea how impactful that was, how encouraging, affirming, and crucial that admonishment was to me at that moment in my life. And at different moments over the years, when I would be sharing a story of campus ministry, you would remind me that I was an evangelist. Coming from you, I knew that, that was a deep blessing on my ministry. We've been through a lot, my friend, many joys and some very profound sorrows. And I am honored to honor you today. And there is a gift. John, sharing this journey together has been like a feast and it has tasted so good, especially when accompanied by marmalade, brought forth from the recipe that you gave to me many years ago. Bless both of you. Thank you for your words, Brian. I'd like to uh, call on a student of uh, Terry's, uh, Catherine Cider Hamilton. Blinded by the sun appropriately when I'm speaking about Terry. <laughs> it's a real pleasure to say a few words on behalf of his students in honor of Jerry. His students were, I think, at the heart of all his work. Uh, teaching, as well as scholarship, has been his calling. And so it was my great good fortune to be his doctoral student. He is my doctor father, teacher, mentor, and now friend. And as I worked with him, I found him to be not just a scholar who can accurately be called great, but also a good man. The first thing I met in him was his kindness. With my acceptance to the doctoral program at Wycliffe came a note from Terry with a warm comment about something I had written in the application. It gave me great encouragement at the time as I was preparing to leap into this unknown, and I've never forgotten it. It was also a precise comment, <laughs> my introduction to Terry's incisive mind. He has the eye for detail, the patience, the thorough knowledge of his field, and the remarkable memory of the true scholar. All this coupled with an impressive analytic intellect. If he were not so kind, he would be really rather intimidating. But he uses all of this in the service of his scholarship and his students. He could always recommend to me, by author and title, just the book, it seems, that I needed to read in any area. Try Donald Jewell's little book, he said to me the first time. Messianic exegesis, I think it's called. Of course, that's exactly what it is called. <laughs> I read it, and it was helpful, and that happened again and again. 
As his TA, I saw the care he took with his students and his enjoyment of teaching. In the, New, in the New Testament one class, he always opened with a joke, and not just any joke, but one perfectly geared to the topic of the day. I have no idea where he found them all. He marked papers with real attention. One plus sign in the margin meant good point. Two plus signs meant really good point. Three, that would be divine inspiration, I guess. I don't think I ever got there. And he took the time to make comments that were detailed and constructive. Where he had criticisms, he would nevertheless end with still, and then a positive comment. He crafted his lectures with great care. In fact, he wrote a set of lectures introducing the various aspects of New Testament studies that are so comprehensive and accessible, too, that we use them now as the textbook for the course. And his fascination with his subject was contagious. Matthew or Paul, how the gospel became the gospels, the identity of the beloved disciple, the possible Danielic root of the, a conception of messianic suffering, and above all, the great question of Judaism and the Gentiles, the Jewish followers of Jesus and the emergence of the largely Gentile Christian church. His fascination with these questions was contagious, and it sparked an answering interest in his students. As a doctoral supervisor, he was invaluable. He knew the field, so he knew whether what I was saying had value. He read carefully and promptly. I think he always had my chapters back amply annotated within two weeks, and often sooner. And I, I knew then that that was unusual. And now that I am reading doctoral students' work, <laughs> I realize just how high he set that bar. He insisted on precision and clarity and integrity in argument. I love to make big associative leaps. He taught me to make precise distinctions, too. He taught me how to be a scholar. And he supports his students. When I gave my first paper at the Canadian Society of Biblical Studies, he was there. When I gave my first paper at the Society of Biblical Literature, he was there. And he's still there anytime I have an academic problem or question that needs sorting. There's so much more that could be said. But this, I hope, gives you a sense of the man and of how much I owe to him. First-rate scholar, committed teacher, wise mentor, kind and faithful man. Above all, a man of faith. On weekday mornings and every Wednesday, he was, he is, there in chapel in his seat on the right near the front, now complete with banjo often. It's for the sake of the gospel that he loves to teach. He told me once, that he sometimes thinks of all the students to whom he has taught the Gospels, who now preach the Gospels in churches near and far. And this is what pleases him, that the Gospel still goes out into the world, and that in his students he has a part in it. Thank you, Jerry.
Thank you very much, Catherine. Folks, I note that there's some chairs available here if anybody would like to move over and find a seat. Welcome to do that. Now, uh, a word from another student. And uh, this is a student of John's and uh, Nikki Luxton Ward. I met John in 1992 when John worked for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in Ottawa. And I arrived from England uh, to study at Carleton University as an international student and I was going to do a master's in geography. The first time we met was at an InterVarsity barbecue. And there, John found out from me that I had become a Christian three years earlier during my first year at university. His eyes lit up. <laughs> Very shortly afterwards, John was leading an evangelistic Bible study in my room in the hall of residence that I lived in. John called this study Agnostics Anonymous. Various friends attended over the 12 weeks, and one time, a whole film crew of students showed up to record the event for a school project. John then introduced me to summer camp. He suggested that I volunteer at the Leaders in Training program at Pioneer Camp Ontario, where Deborah and he were teaching. There, I learned how to lead small group Bible studies and how to mentor people through one-on-one -on -one conversations skills that I have used almost every single day of my work life since. In fact, I hold John responsible for the direction of my entire career. John told me regularly that God loves you and InterVarsity has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> my plan had been to return to England after completing my degree and to earn some money. God's plan, with John's encouragement, was that I would return to Canada and fundraise my salary for 20 years. <laughs> Knowing that I was new to Canada and that I had only recently become a Christian, John generously approached some of his own donors and asked them if they would support me as I began work as a staff worker with InterVarsity. While I was working for IVCF here at UFT, John then encouraged me to take classes here at Wycliffe, so I did. I took one class each semester, and finally, after eight years, I graduated in 2020 with an MTS. During those years, I had the privilege to TA for John. I uh, TA'd his evangelistic preaching class and his teaching the gospel class, and John also supervised my thesis. As well, we partnered together in ministry during those years through InterVarsity, running series of evangelistic events, including dessert parties, where we would show an episode of Law and Order or The Simpsons, and then John would speak to a gospel-related theme that came from the episode. John taught me how to lead evangelistic Bible studies myself, and I even have the privilege of appearing as a character in John's book, evangelism for normal people. All these experiences lead me to conclude three things. 
First, John is a mentor. Almost all of the skills I use in ministry, I truly learned from John first. Secondly, that John opens doors for people. He sees the potential in people and prayerfully helps to remove obstacles to enable them to serve God according to the way that God has designed them. And thirdly, that John is bold and creative. One of my first memories of John is at Carleton University. I was a student wandering through the commons area in between classes looking for coffee, and I bumped into John, who was stationed in the main thoroughfare with his overhead projector beside him and his acetate sheets of comic strips in his hand, sharing the gospel, according to Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> to anyone and everyone who would slow down to listen. John taught me to speak to people boldly about Jesus, but to do it with creativity quoting Dorothy L. Sayers about the importance of telling things slant, piquing people's interest through parable, rather than simply downloading the four spiritual laws. I'm so thankful for all that I have learned from you, John. You have blessed many people over many years. You have stretched our thinking and encouraged and championed us in our praxis. On behalf of the Wycliffe student community, thank you. May you continue to bless and encourage those around you as you enter retirement. Another speaker who uh, is, wasn't able to be here personally But the uh, notable tech wizard, George Sumner, uh, <laughs> uh, decided that he would uh, address us virtually. George, over to you. Good evening, Wycliffe College, uh, this evening as we celebrate the ministries of John Bowen and Terry Donaldson. Uh, it was my first week at Wycliffe College, morning prayer. I was in my chair in the back left uh, during the prayers of the people. And one of the prayers was for our sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth, that she might vanquish all her enemies. At which point, Professor Bowen leaned over to me and said, I think that's you. Uh, sharing some of his Welsh genetics, I took that as a tart way of saying, welcome to the college. And what, I what do I remember about Terry? Uh, I have a picture in my mind of all the different iterations of the Founders Chapel Bluegrass Jug Band, of which his banjo was the anchor. But it's not just humor and creativity that I remember, uh, but I also think of both of them as um, evangelists. Both of them have street cred as um, ministers of the gospel. Uh, John Bowen uh, being the founder of the LIT program uh, at Pioneer Camp, and Terry Donaldson being a minister of a college group with no less a member than Marion Taylor. And in addition to being evangelists, they have both been scholars of the Christian mission. John Bowen asking an important question like, why do young people excited about the gospel either stay or leave the church? 
and Terry Donaldson spending years thinking deeply about the mission to the Gentiles of which eventually you and I are all parts. So both because of their creativity and humor, but also because they are evangelists and scholars of mission, uh, John and Terry embody Wycliffe College's best self. And we give thanks to Almighty God for them both this evening. Thank you. So the, that was uh, Bishop George Sumner, uh, the Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas and my predecessor in this role. And uh, so he introduces really uh, our next two speakers in that we would like to invite a couple of folks who are colleagues of uh, Terry and um, John to come forward. I'm gonna begin with Judy Paulson. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I was thinking there are two, two types of information that are included in retirement tributes. The first is kind of a list of people's things they've done, books they've written, talks they've given maybe, um, degrees they have, and we've heard some of these uh, related to John's decades-long life of service to the church. But there are a few things that we haven't heard about yet. Um, we touched on the fact that he wrote this book called Evangelism for Normal People. But you know, I was online looking at somebody's, I think it was David Fitch's um, newsfeed on Facebook, and he asked about what are the best resources for teaching people about evangelism? And didn't somebody say, you've got to get evangelism for normal people. Now it's 18 years old and it's still factoring in to news feeds of, of Facebook all over the place. But you know John went on to write uh, five other books, four other books, in the subsequent six years to uh, that first book being published and I was thinking you know that's a pretty good rate for somebody who's also leading the Institute of Evangelism and teaching here. Surely that is only you know, superseded by N.T. Wright himself in producing books. Um, but let's face it, most of us aren't going to remember uh, dates and the type of degree or maybe even where John got his degree from. What we will remember about him is what he was like. What images come to mind when we think of him? The way we feel around him. The nuggets of wisdom that he uh, passed along, not just to students, but so freely to colleagues and just to friends as well. For me, and I suspect a great number of people, when we think of John Bowen, what comes to mind is actually Gandalf, uh, but with shorter hair, jeans, and maybe a tweed jacket. So think about it. John is quite like Tolkien's Gandalf in all sorts of ways. Like Gandalf, he often can be found pulling together an odd band of people to accomplish something serious. And they're usually a group of people who otherwise wouldn't seem to have much in common with each other. Like Gandalf, he seems to delight in coming alongside misfits. 
People who, due to their particular gifts, histories, and sometimes eccentricities, don't fit easily into current plausibility structures. Uh, church planters, for instance. Like Gandalf, John doesn't promise an easy road, quite the opposite, but his quiet, rather sage-like presence, well, it brings a sense of calm and even courage to people. But like Gandalf, this calm assurance points beyond himself to the mystery of power beyond himself, beyond all of us. And lastly, John is like Gandalf in that he has the ability to raise one eyebrow while keeping the rest of his face expressionless. But that one eyebrow tells you everything you need to know about what he has just heard. Well, to move away from the metaphor and move closer to the man here before us, in short, John is a Christian mentor. In biblical language, a disciple maker. He is a gracious, gentle, and wise teacher who trusts deeply in the living God that is made known to us in Jesus Christ. And he wants as many people as possible to know him. He continues to mentor church planters, church rebooters, church rebuilders, and every other sort of Christian leader. And he has been a key mentor in my life as well over the past 23 years. Thank you, John, for sharing with us your love of Jesus and your passion for sharing the good news of God's kingdom come and coming. We will be forever grateful for you. Thank you, Judy. Now I'd like to invite Ann Jervis to come forward and say a few words about Terry as a colleague. I am so glad to be able to do this, Terry. Wycliffe, Toronto School of Theology, the University of Toronto, and the International Guild of Biblical Scholars is so fortunate that in 1974, Terry turned from numbers and equations to languages and ambiguities. Terry began his academic life in the world of maths and science and his work life at what we might now call a tech company. After several working years, his mind and heart were inexorably drawn to the world of biblical studies. Consequently, Terry and Lois took the courageous step of changing direction. Terry retooled his excellent mind, mastering the languages and scholarly conversations of New Testament studies and producing a dissertation that has remained pertinent and insightful. I was an incoming doctoral student when I met Terry, who was then about halfway through his doctorate. In those student days, sometimes eating our lunch in the West Lecture Room with the one other New Testament doctoral student, or running into each other in the halls or library, I must tell you, Terry, that I was intimidated by you. <laughs> Not, of course, because you tried, 
but because of your quiet purposefulness, your dedication, your evident intelligence, they function to make me feel this admiring awkwardness towards you. You seem to embody Rabbi Shammai's directive, make your study of the law a fixed habit, say little and do much. <laughs> After graduating with a THD, Terry and Lois moved to Saskatoon where he became highly regarded both at the College of Emmanuel's in St. Chad and at the University of Saskatchewan. In 2001, Terry received the Doctor of Canon Law from the University of Emmanuel College, St. Saskatoon. Fortunately for us, in 1999, Terry returned to Wycliffe to take up the Lord and Lady Coggan Chair of Professor of New Testament Studies. While he and wonderful Lois raised two remarkable children, and Terry served in various capacities, some of them thankless, like being the treasurer of the Canadian Society of Biblical Studies, during that time, Terry also produced important books, significant articles, and gave invited lectures. After returning to Wycliffe, Terry took up essential positions of service, notably being the advanced degree director of the Toronto School of Theology and drafting the new TST doctoral program. In the midst of all this, Terry continued his impressive research program, consolidating his mastery in the fields of Matthean studies, Pauline studies, Second Temple Judaism, and Greco-Roman history and culture. He's the recipient of several significant research grants which acknowledge the depth and breadth of his achievements and pursuits. I know I speak for all of Wycliffe faculty that it has been such a joy to have you as a colleague. After Terry became a colleague those years ago, I stopped being intimidated. <laughs> but I didn't stop admiring you. In fact, my admiration has only grown as I've come to see that underneath that daunting discipline and that rare combination of orderly and creative intellect is a simply wonderful human being. Terry is wise about people and situations, willing to serve and help the community he's in, wonderfully kind, peerlessly faithful, and very funny in his understated, witty, Terry kind of way. <laughs> and of course, as been mentioned, he plays a joyful banjo. Terry has just completed his magnum opus on his career-long fascination with Gentile Christianity, and it's coming out this year, his fifth book, From Cornelius to Constantine, Gentile Christian Identity, The Parting of the Ways and the Nations in Roman Imperial Ideology. Dr. Terence Donaldson has had an exceptionally distinguished career in biblical studies. He's recognized by other scholars as both a leader in our field and a trustworthy and creative administrator. Wycliffe has been mightily blessed to have had Terry's skills and service. I know Terry and Lois love Wycliffe, and I hope you know that you are greatly loved by us. So Terry, can I invite you to respond if you want to say a few words in response? I uh, feel a, a lecture coming on. Well, no, no. Um, I uh, 
Well, I'd like to uh, just thank all of the people who have spoken for Stephen and Brian and and um, for the, uh, the kind and generous words. Um, overly generous, I think, and probably harmful to my spiritual health. Uh, one of my uh, blessings um, of, of my time at Wycliffe has been the opportunity to reconnect with people that, that I knew before I came here. And I was going to start off with a, a somewhat uh, lengthy list of, of uh, people who I knew before I came to Wycliffe and how um, rewarding it was to become colleagues uh, and co-workers with them here. But much of that has been done already, so I'm, I'm not going to uh, uh, say much more than that. My three-year-old granddaughter who was here thought she was coming to a party. Uh, <laughs> and, and the gifts perhaps um, uh, helped her to think that maybe a party is going to break out sometime. Uh, so I, I will be brief. Um, I really feel blessed as well to have had a job for 35 years and more uh, that has given me a great deal of joy and satisfaction and has also put me in a position where I, I have been able to contribute to the, uh, the uh, lives of students, the, uh, the structures and well-being of theological education and the life of the church. Some people work in jobs where they wake up in the morning and say, I've got to go to work. Well, for all of those years, I got up in the morning, and it's always been, I get to go to work today. Well, perhaps not quite always. <laughs> uh, I have to admit that as I was increasingly drawn into administration in the last 12 years or so of, of my uh, active career, uh, there were a few got-to days among the, uh, the, the get-to ones. Uh, before I found myself in the position of advanced degree director at the Toronto School of Theology, I used to say, uh, I'm glad that God created administrators and didn't make me one. <laughs> Looking back, I think God must have been listening and chuckling a bit. <laughs> During the eight or nine years that, that I was, uh, uh, um, or ten or more, that I was involved in administration, when people asked me if I was enjoying it, I would say, I get a certain amount of satisfaction out of administration, but I get joy out of teaching, research, and writing. And uh, right now, I'm finding that my satisfaction to joy ratio is way too high. <laughs> Nevertheless, I value the satisfactions as well, and I don't regret those years. I got to learn a bit about how the university worked. I got to attend some of the TST machinery and keep it functioning. I got to solve problems for the benefit of students to make the system work uh, on their behalf. Um, and at least for my last two years at TST, I had a pretty neat office with a turreted window that overlooks uh, Queen's Park. But now I'm in retirement mode. When I first retired in 2016, I guess, I told people that I was in the first stage of a graduated retirement. Now I'm probably in the third stage, a time that I'm describing as scholarly puttering. Um, some people that I want to thank, um, students to begin with. In my second year of teaching, uh, I re remember looking forward to one lecture in particular, which in my first year had been one of those magic uh, lectures where the discussion was stimulating and the lights were, light bulbs were going on in, in students' eyes. As, uh, as they were connecting with what was going on. 
This time, though, the second year, uh, while it was a, a good class, it was, it, it was a rather ordinary, uh, uh, everyday kind of class. And I realized then, something that I continue to realize uh, year after year, that what goes on in the classroom is as much um, uh, due to the, the, student con the students who were there and their contributions uh, as, it, uh, as it was to the input from the instructor. There's a kind of uh, chemistry at work there that one can hope for but can't manufacture. Um, so I am delighted to see uh, a good number of students from classes and, and I appreciate very much the fact that, that you've come. Colleagues, I'm also grateful for, the grateful for the colleagues that I've had at Wycliffe to be sure, but also at TST and U of T and before that in Saskatoon. I've always enjoyed being part of a team and I've uh, benefited greatly from being able to work alongside others in a common task. Scholarship is not a uh, team activity to the same extent. Uh, still, engagement with the work of others is essential to uh, paraphrase and we rework the old table grace. Um, as scholars, we are always needful of the minds of others. And so I'm grateful for uh, scholarly colleagues and particularly those of you who are here today. I know that it's a, a busy time of the year. Staff, present and past. Um, there's a prayer that Annette uh, offers quite regularly that I appreciate. A prayer for those who learn and those who teach and those who work so that others can learn and teach. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so uh, I appreciate immensely the, uh, the staff here and the work that they do so that others of us can teach and learn. Family, I have a couple of siblings here. I'm the eldest of seven um, and uh, one, two, <laughs> two of them are here. My brother Andrew with his wife uh, Wendy and my sister Jenny, Virginia. Thank you for being here. My children have, have um, been wonderful support through the years. Graham is in Texas teaching students of his own. Um, um, Meredith is here with her family. Um, her husband David is a TST doctoral student. He's teaching a class of his own right now at the university. I was delighted that both Meredith and Graham were able to take my gospels course, courses over the years. In Saskatoon, my introduction to the New Testament was cross-listed with the Department of Religious Studies, and so uh, bachelor's students could take um, that course, and both Graham and Meredith were looking forward to that opportunity. Unfortunately, my move to, uh, 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 to Wycliffe uh, came ju just before the year when Meredith would have been able to take the course. Both of them, though, did take my Gospels course here at, uh, at Wycliffe, um, I admired them as students. I also admired their ability uh, to participate in class without ever getting themselves into a situation where they had to decide whether to address me as dad, <laughs> Professor Donaldson, or Terry, like, like most of the other students did. My grandchildren are here, my joy and my delight. I've mentioned Elsie and Florence and Ivor. Uh, a party will, will, will happen. <laughs> and finally, Lois. Uh, on several occasions in print, I've 
expressed my appreciation for all that she's done to, uh, there is Ivor, to humanize a husband who still does too much of his living inside his head. I have to uh, confess that looking ahead to retirement, I was probably a little apprehensive about entering a life situation where the husband who does too much of his living inside of his head was also doing it inside a 900 square foot condo. <laughs> I won't venture to speak on her behalf about life with a retired academic, but I will express my own appreciation for her, her unfailing wisdom, resourcefulness, love, and support. So thank you for all, all for being here and for helping me to ease into the next stage of my graduated retirement. I just graduated because uh, uh, Terry hit us up with the idea for a new course recently, so we're uh, working on that. John. I am aware that there is food that has been sitting here for over an hour, and some of you are thinking, when do we get to eat the food? In fact, my grandchildren this morning said, will there be cake? <laughs> there is cake, and just a few minutes until granddad's finished. Um, in the 90s, my last uh, role with InterVarsity I was as an itinerant evangelist, and often as part of that work, I would engage in formal debates with evil atheistic philosophy professors. <laughs> I would win, and then we'd go for a drink and be perfectly friendly about it. But as I looked forward to today, I realized those debates were actually less intimidating than facing <laughs> you folks. So thank you to everybody who has actually made it very enjoyable for those who've spoken, for those who've given up time to be here, uh, and as Terry said, for those who have worked behind the scenes particularly Karen, uh, to make this such a, a wonderful occasion. Somewhere deep in a file, I have a letter dated about 1996 from Michael J. Pountney. And it was saying, Dear John, no, I'm terribly sorry. There will never be any opportunities to teach at Wycliffe College. And at the time, that was the case. Harold was heading up the Institute of Evangelism, Michael Knowles was uh, working with him, and then Michael got the job of teaching preaching at McMaster Divinity College. Some of us take perverse pleasure in the fact that an Anglican is teaching Baptists how to preach. <laughs> so I had spoken in a couple of evangelism classes, and Michael and Harold took me for lunch at uh, Hart House. Do you remember this, Michael? and said, uh, Michael's leaving, do you want his job? I said, sure, why not? <laughs> so that was really the only selection process I went through for being appointed to faculty, which I know for some people explains uh, a lot of things. But I do remember vividly walking through the door on the first day and thinking, I'm home. It was just an overwhelming sense of that, which I have learned uh, since then other people sometimes get as well. So there was a sense of rightness about uh, being here. And for several years, I would go to chapel and just get choked up, thinking, oh, this is so wonderful. Lord, how could you bless me in uh, so many ways? Some of you will know a name, uh, a book by Robert Clinton called The Making of a Leader. 
and he traces how people develop in their leadership through their lives and ministries. And stage five is what he calls convergence, where everything you have ever done comes together. And I realized looking back, that was what being at Wycliffe was uh, for me. And that's one of the reasons that it was such a wonderful experience. It was lovely to have so many students, so many uh, I'm still in touch with, a number of former students who are here today, which is great. Uh, some great mission trips that we went on from the college to some rural uh, parishes with uh, David Reed, and I went four times to Kenya with Merv. Those were life-changing. One of the things that the church owes me, and they don't realize this, is that there were a number of students whom I tried very hard to persuade not to be ordained. <laughs> Some are in this room, you know who you are. <laughs> and without fail, everyone got themselves ordained. So bishops, if you have someone you want to get ordained, talk, talk, send them to me and I'll try and dissuade them and I guarantee they will then be uh, ordained. I think one of the signs that my time at Wycliffe was coming to an end was a comment Graham McCaffrey made. His mum is here somewhere. Um, people who've taught for some years know this happens, that you repeat yourself. And I started saying to classes, uh, now you need to know, um, I'm, you may hear me say things that I've said before, but you know what, I only have so many ideas in my head. And if you hang around, you're going to hear them time after time. And Graham McCaffrey said, yeah, and I've heard you say that before. <laughs> and he was right. Retirement is supposed to be a time for doing more of the things you love and fewer of the other things. And that's the way it's been for me. It's actually been three years since Terry and I officially retired. And finally, the, well, we won't go there, but I, do you think this is maybe a hint now you need to really retire? It, can, it could be that. So for me, it is a chance to do the things I love best, preaching, teaching, mentoring, and writing, and I'm thankful to God for that. I have a group of young missional leaders that I meet with every week. Uh, I still teach the church planting course here at Wycliffe. And my own bishop, Susan Bell, has a wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> it's said of grandchildren, and if you have grandchildren, you'll know it was true. Uh, if I'd known they were this much fun, I'd have had them first. <laughs> if I'd known retirement was such much, so much fun, I'd have done that first. Thank you, friends. Thank you both, uh, Terry and John, for giving us the opportunity to come together like this. It's uh, been a wonderful afternoon. Uh, as I was thinking about prayers uh, that might suitably uh, wrap up this part of the afternoon, uh, there's a prayer uh, in the family prayer section of the Book of Common Prayer uh, of Thanksgiving. And uh, the words uh, seem to have a slightly different uh, nuance to them in a context like this. So. Let us pray together. O well, most merciful Father, we humbly thank thee for all thy gifts so freely bestowed upon us. 
for life and health and safety, for power to work and leisure to rest, for all that is beautiful in creation and in the lives of people. We praise and magnify thy holy name. But above all, we thank thee for our spiritual mercies in Christ Jesus our Lord, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. Fill all our hearts with joy and peace in believing through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.